a lot of people get stuck because they think I need to get everything perfect before I start. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. Can you imagine if Jimi Hendrix was like, oh, I need to be a great guitar player before as anybody ever sees me? No, he had to go out and not be great in order to get good. Yeah, and it's the- like first become, it's like step one, become greatest guitar player of all time. Step two, go on tour. And it does not work like that. Yeah, it's like step one, be the best ever. Step two, do things. It's step one, be okay. Do things, be better. Get better. Exactly. Exactly. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and I'm excited to be bringing back to the show a listener favorite for two back-to-back episodes, renegade teacher-turned-executive functioning coach and education coach, Seth Perler. Seth and I are trying something new for these two episodes. We are going to be tackling a subject that likely impacts every single member of our community, and that topic is resistance. Resistance is a big and complicated subject, and it's something I know many of us as parents not only see in our kids, but are concerned about how to help our kids push through that resistance so they can develop skills and grit and accomplish the things they'll need to do in order to develop into thriving adults. So we want to cover this topic in a significant way. So here is the plan. The first of these two conversations, the episode you're listening to right now, is designed for kids. In fact, I'm not even in this episode at all, because what you're about to hear is a conversation between Seth and my son, Asher, newly 14 years old and a person who is fairly familiar with resistance. Of course, parents, caregivers, and educators will get a lot out of listening to this too. I know that I learned a ton by hearing Asher's end of this conversation. Then next week, I'll release part two in which Seth and I revisit resistance highlight the ways this shows up in our kids and talk through more about how we can support our kids work through their resistance. I'm really excited to share these episodes with you. Like all of the conversations I have with Seth, these are game changers. So grab your kiddos, get comfortable and have a listen. And if you haven't heard them yet, I suggest you go back and listen to the deep dives that Seth and I have done on executive functioning in past episodes. You can find links to those episodes on the show notes page at tiltparenting.com slash session 123. Lastly, Seth has also created a special page on his website just for Tilt listeners. And on that page, you'll find a PDF that Seth has made highlighting the key takeaways from this episode a special discount code for listeners for Seth's new online course called Upgrade Your Grades Student Success Program and more. So you can visit that special page by going to sethperler.com slash tilt. And I will also have a link to that page on my show notes page. And one more thing before I get to the episode, if you haven't had a chance to check out my new book, Differently Wired, and you want to see if it's for you, don't forget you can download the first chapter and table of contents at tiltparenting.com slash book. And if you have read it already and like what you read, I would be grateful if you would consider leaving a review on Amazon or Goodreads or both. More reviews means more visibility for the book and I am doing my best to make sure that people who would benefit from its message can easily find it. So thanks so much for helping me with that. And now here is my conversation with Seth. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Seth. This is with SethPerler.com, and I'm here with... Asher. Asher, how did we know each other? Um, well, I am a frequent interviewee on the Tilt Parenting Podcast. That's right. And I've been on Tilt before, and today well, we had this idea. Debbie and I were talking, uh, Asher's mom, and we were talking about maybe we should do an episode with Asher, like a back-to-school episode, talking about a very unusual back-to-school topic. And you remember what the topic is? Resistance. All right, Asher, what do you know about resistance? Well, it's just what prevents you from doing something when you want to do it and you just don't feel like it, but you still want to have it done. Yeah, you want to have something done, but you don't want to do it. Yeah, you want it done, but you don't feel like doing it. And that can cause some big problems in life. So Asher and I are going to talk today here, and we're going to go in some depth about this. And what we're going to try here with this, quote, interview or discussion or conversation is my goal for you, the listener, and for Asher is that by the end of this podcast, students are going to know how to make school easier uh, this year. And the way that they're going to do that is by understanding the resistance better and having tools to move around it. So Asher, if your school year went really well, like it was a 10 out of 10 this year, what would that feel like for you? Well, I don't know. I guess I just do things that I feel like doing and they would be easier than I thought they would be also. Good. That's my goal and that it is easier. Um, all right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, about what the resistance is. And then, Asher, if you want to interrupt me at any time, please do. And then after every section I go through in my document, so for the listener out there, I'm going by a document that I created. After every section on this document, I'm going to ask Asher what he thinks. But, Asher, obviously, feel free to uh, interrupt me. Sound good? Yeah. All right. I'm going to break down a little bit about what the resistance is. I'm going to do this by telling a story. And this is a story about two dogs. So there are two dogs in a park. And this one dog is running around in circles just over and over and over trying to chase his tail. And the other dog is this old wise dog. And he's looking at this dog and he's going, what in the world is that dog doing? So he stops him and he says, dude, 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 stop. What are you doing? And the dog stops for a second. He's all excited. He's like, well, I'm trying to catch my tail. And the old wise dog says, well, why are you trying to catch your tail? And he says, well, at the end of my tail is happiness. And if I can catch my tail, then I'll be happy. So he goes back to it. He's running in circles, running in circles. He's trying to catch his tail. And finally, the old dog says, whoa, 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 dude, stop. He says, I got an idea for you. He says, why don't you put one foot in front of the other and happiness will follow? Ah, it's a different way of looking at things. And what happens with resistance is we have these things that we have to do for ourselves that are good for our own self, but we don't do them. And then we end up chasing our tail in life, even though things in our life are not working, even though it's making things harder, we continue chasing our tail by resisting and resisting and resisting doing things that are good for us. And it only holds us back. But if we do take action and put one step in front of the other, happiness will follow. Good story? Yeah, because, I mean, you don't get happiness by wanting happiness. You get happiness by wanting to do other things and then doing them. The happiness is kind of just a byproduct. You are a wise man. Yeah, happiness is like a byproduct of success. I like it. 
you don't succeed to be happy. You succeed to succeed and then you become happy. Yeah. You're happy in the process. Hopefully it's not like we get all this stuff or we get everything in place and then we achieve a state of happiness. It's like you want to enjoy the journey and resistance prevents us from getting this quote success thing. Yeah. It's like, why do I need to succeed? Why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just be happy without having to do things? Yeah. And the problem with resistance is that there's this thing called executive function, which has to do with the brain and the brain helps you to execute these tasks. And the brain helps you to execute on all kinds of things like playing guitar, for example, for me, that is execution. That is executive function. That is doing something. But I don't resist playing guitar because it's a preferred activity. The resistance is only a problem when it's a non-preferred activity, but that's in your own self-interest. So, for example, let's say you want money and you're going to mow some lawns or rake some leaves or shovel some snow. Yeah, you're going to have to work. You have to work for money, don't you? Right. So it might not be a preferred activity, but you want the preferred outcome. Right. So we only resist when it's a non-preferred activity. But if it comes to something that you like, like video games or playing music or hanging out with friends. Yeah. But if it's like getting out of bed in the morning, then. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that hard to execute on? Sometimes generally when I'm, when I've had a bad day. Yeah. Like why I get up, then I'll just have another bad day. Yeah. So sometimes it's easy to execute when you want to, when it's fun, when it matters, or when it's a habit, like you may or may not be at a place where like you just brush your teeth because it's a habit and you don't think about it, even though it's not preferred. Once you make something a habit that's not preferred, it's way easier to do. So we have all kinds of things like that. I've done that with brushing my teeth, for example. Resisted it? Well, yes. And then I made it a habit. Exactly. So the resistance can fade away. Yeah, if you go to work every morning, maybe you won't hate so hate work so much as when you went for the first time. It, it does. It really does get easier. Like you begin to stop resisting and then life gets easier. It's kind of dumb. Like why? Like what, what purpose does it serve? Suppose just to prevent you from being too hasty. Tell me more. If you're doing something that's risky, resistance might help prevent you from. Oh, you mean that there is a there are times when the resistance is good. Yeah. That's probably one, the only benefit though. Yeah. Well, there are some benefits and I'm going to go through a list of those, but that's a really good point. So let's get back to that point. So you're saying if something's risky and it might actually be, it makes you add more weight to tasks that are unpleasant so that you consider them more. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the human body that creates this resistance, the, the purpose is supposed to be good. Your body is trying to protect you. It's just that the, it's almost like the mind gets in the way and causes you to resist things that are actually good for you when the brain is trying to say, no, this isn't fun. This is bad. So there's some confusion yeah. there. So we have to learn to work with this. So the next thing I want to mention is how does the resistance hurt us? And what it does is it, it self-sabotages us which means that we get in our own way. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. 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 It's like laziness in that context. It's definitely related. And what you want is you want to be able to launch a good future. So that's what you really want. And if you keep being resistant. Ideally, you would have a lot of resistance and a lot of ability to overcome it. Mm-hmm. So that you know whenever, so that you know whenever something was 
risky in my example, but you give more weight to more difficult things, but you could still do them easily if you want. Exactly. So quote, ideally, like you said, the ideal is, is that we can sort of sift through when is the resistance good? When is it bad? And then when it, when it is not working for us, how do we move through it? Ideally, we're able to move through it. Yeah, because no resistance at all. Like someone asks you to do something that's incredibly difficult and you're like, oh yeah, sure. And then you spend months doing it just because they asked you to. Yeah, and you're wasting your time and your energy in your life, yeah. Yeah, and then, you, and then you don't feel like you succeeded when you're done. You feel like you just waste all your time. Yeah, and that is not the point. You don't do things you shouldn't be doing, but you don't do things you should be doing either. Yeah, and why it matters is hopefully your your future goals are for you. Like you want to be happy and yeah. successful, like you said, healthy. You want to meet your potential, open doors for yourself, be able to go for your dreams and goals, have a lot of possibilities in your life, and you have to be able to execute. Yeah. And what do you want to do in your future? Have you thought about that? Are there a lot of things? Well, I'd want to help science in some way. Like what do you like? So ideally, that would be being an astronaut, but. Right on. Cool. So if you want to do that, you're going to have to get through a lot of resistance to a lot of things. So in terms of like moving through the resistance, there are sort of these two journeys moving from A to B. One is um, you got to move from point A to point B. If you're someone who's very resistant, you are not doing stuff and you have to become a person who does stuff. And the other one is you have a resistance you want to get from point A to B. Point A is like where you are right now. For example, you're 14 and you want to get to a point where you're 18 or 22 or whatever, and you're like launching a great future, right? Yeah. So in terms of the resistance, there's like these different ways that it looks like. But one of the things that you want to do is identify the voices in your head, the limiting beliefs, or what's called the inner critic. Yeah. You've heard of this before? Yeah. Do you know how yours sounds? Not really. It's just like... Feelings that things I'm doing are pointless. Mm, that's a good one. The general feeling of pointlessness, I would say. Tell me what you think of these. Okay, here's what I have written down. I don't want to. This is stupid. It's too hard. It's not fun. Why do I have to do this anyway? Why are you making me do this? You always blah, blah, blah. You never let me do blah, blah, blah. I hate this. The teacher hates me. What's well, always a really great feeling is when you're basically just completely ignoring your inner critic. It's like, ah, you shouldn't be doing this. Ah, this is stupid. Don't do that. And you're like, it's like, whatever. I'm hungry. I'm going to go have breakfast. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be getting out of bed. Just have another bad day. It's like, whatever. It feels very satisfying not to listen to your inner critic. It's one of those things that seems like it's bad, but then when you do it, it's good. But then as soon as you stop, it seems bad again, like sitting up straight. You know, if you sit up straight, it actually feels a lot better, but you don't want to sit up straight and you keep slouching, even though it's nicer. Yeah. Yeah. You resist. So how do you do that? How do you work with your inner critic? How do you tell it to be quiet or how do you ignore it? Or how do you do the thing anyway? I just take like a mind over matter approach. And what's that like? It's basically like, I don't have to listen to you. I'm in control here. I like it. And I say, I'm going to get out of bed. And does that work all the time? Generally, yeah, except when I'm not in a good mood. (laughs) Okay. So I have more examples of it. You want to hear these? 
Yeah. Of like the inner critic or like the limiting voices and stuff like this. Okay. So you might tell your parents or somebody might tell their parents, they'll be like, no, I'll remember. I'll do it later. I swear. I promise I'll do it later. Just leave me alone. Just get off my back. And then people get into perfectionism. And so they like, oh, it's not perfect enough or it's not good enough. So I'm not even going to start or I'm not going to continue or I'm not going to finish or I'm not going to turn it in or why even try in the first place. I'm kind of a perfectionist, but the opposite thing happens mm-hmm. in that I start projects and then I spend long periods of time getting everything perfect. And then do you finish? Sometimes, yeah. Generally, smaller projects more, but not that often. So does the perfectionism work for you in some ways and not in others? Yeah. Like, for example, yesterday I was playing Minecraft and I needed to build a farm. So then I spent two hours designing, trying to figure out the most efficient layout of farm for every type of crop. Yeah. And while that was useful and I did finish it, I don't think it was the best way to spend two hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So while you were not being resistant with the Minecraft, you were may have been resisting other things that were a better way to spend your two hours for your own future. Possibly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't know. What other things do you resist that you shouldn't? Um, generally, yeah, I would say generally just things I don't want to do. Yep. Like what? You know, like if I'm working on a project and there's some part of it that's not very fun to work on, it's just sort of tedious. But if I don't finish it, then I can't finish the project. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll just leave the project like that for weeks. Because there's something else I'd rather be doing. Is it like a school project or a personal project or what? Both kinds. Mm-hmm. So either either type of project, whether it's for you or it's school, it's something that is not engaging you. It's not fun for you. Yeah, generally. Well, I just resist the not fun or engaging parts. So I'll often abandon a project three quarters finished. Because you get to a part. Because I just didn't feel like doing this one thing for too long and then forgot about it. That's a really good point. Yeah, that can interfere. So when you have a big goal in life, actually one big goal that people get stuck on um, that I see a lot with the students that I work with when they're teenagers and they're looking for jobs, they want a job, but they don't want to do the application process because it's annoying and takes a long time. It's not fun. So that's an early part of the project, but it's kind of an important part. Yeah. So what else do students like people your age resist? I don't know. I would generally think like schoolwork, homework, chores, things. You got it. And do you know anybody who resists telling their parents the truth about stuff? No. I do. Not that I know of. Yeah. A lot of times um, if somebody's struggling in school, like let's say that they need help with math, they're going to resist advocating for themselves and asking the teacher for help or asking their parents for help. Because then they'll have to work harder on math. Exactly. Because if you want to get better at something, you have to work harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I would say my biggest area of resistance in general is learning Dutch because I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Mm. And I've lived in the Netherlands for five years. Uh And I'm still... I'd say, okay, at Dutch. Mm -hmm. I'm not fluent. I can't have a conversation with Dutch people. Yeah. 
I really like, but I really do like the idea of knowing another language. But you resist doing what needs to happen. Yeah, because I feel like it's not worth the effort. Do you think you're right about that? No, almost nothing is not worth the effort. Mm. So that's just that part of your brain. That's just the voice that's not telling you the truth. We'll be right back after this quick break. Well, here's some things that people resist. Let's tell the audience about this. One is homework, like you said. Sometimes telling the truth because then they'll have to deal with it, like you said. Uh, being forthcoming, using planners, organizing, um, asking for help, letting people help them, getting started, chores and responsibilities, studying, actual studying, actual reading, like actual taking time to read, writing papers. A lot of times they do like projects the night before. I don't have a problem with studying, but I have a problem with finding things to study. How uh, how does that work? Because you're in a different school situation. You know, like I don't mind reading articles about things and books and essays and things, but I don't don't like having to find, I don't like having to find things to study, but I don't mind studying them. Because it's kind of tedious? Yeah. You don't like tedious things, do you? No, I don't like tedium. I don't either. (laughs) This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally 
really got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Some people do. Some people are really good at it. They like just being able to just execute on simple tasks that are tedious. Some people are really good at it. That sounds awful. It sounds awful to me too, but some people are really good at it. Now, what's really important for me and you is to uh, learn to work with these people and to use our strengths while they use their strengths. And then we do, yeah, the other parts of it that we are good at. So anyhow, like you were saying before, actually, I had this, this idea of like getting a driver's license. Like it's a complex task and there's like a lot of small non-preferred things that people have to do to get the preferred goal of like being able to have like a driver's license. You have to like take driver's test. You have to practice. You might have to get a job to be able to afford a car. You have to get car insurance, get the driver's license, do a lot of paperwork. So to get the thing that we want, there's all the, like you said before, you said you might get 75% through something, but then there's a part of it you don't want to do. Yeah. And then it just stops. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll feel like, like doing it one day, or at least feel less like not doing it one day. If you're unlucky, you'll just forget about it. What do you think it does to someone's life who doesn't learn to work with the resistance? Well, they could never, I wouldn't think they'd be able to finish anything important. So what would adulthood be like for them? Uh, Well, they probably wouldn't be able to. They probably wouldn't be able to get any job other than a tedious job because they wouldn't be able to stick with anything education related. Good point. And then they'd probably have a tedious job and then they'd be miserable. Yeah. So they actually want to be successful, but they're avoiding doing things that are not fun that would make them successful. Yeah, you want to be successful, but you avoid getting an education and then no one will hire you except the people who have tedious jobs and then you end up miserable. Yeah, as opposed to do difficult things now and have better prospects later. Yep. You are on it. You're a wise man. Yeah. If if you're so lazy, you don't even want an education, you're going to be pretty miserable. Yeah. We were talking earlier about that sometimes resistance makes sense. And I have four times when it does. From your own life or or categories of situations? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking by times, you meant like four times in your life. Yeah. No, four different categories of when resistance makes sense. And one is, particularly for people who are in school like you, who your basic things that you're going to resist is schoolwork and chores. Those are sort of the two broad categories of what you resist. And the main things, one of the things that is good if you're resisting is if you need self-care, because a lot of times people have so, like they spend seven or eight hours in school, and then they're expected to do two or three or four hours of homework at night. Well, I really don't like the idea of homework. I feel like, honest, I feel like if you need to do all this work, you might as well just stay in school longer and do it at school. But don't you think people will resist that? Yeah, but... I think it would be better in the long run if there was no, if there, 
if there was no homework in school was longer then. Right. So you, yeah, you get it. So there, there, that makes sense that you have resistance because you, like you said, you, you've just done all the schoolwork. Why now have homework on top of it? Although it's kind of besides the point to talk about how the whole resistance of homework could easily be avoided. So I suppose, but then I guess a lot of the, everyone who, who didn't do their homework in the first place would just go, I don't want to stay in school longer, even though that they'd again be happier in the long run because they. It's definitely a difficult situation because on the one hand, they need to get this stuff done. If they did it, it would make their life easier. But on the other hand, the reason I'm saying the resistance makes sense is because they need time for self-care. They need time to play, to relax, to hang out with their family, to hang out with their friends, to do nothing. Exactly. And I feel like if school is going to, if school is going to rob your personal time, they might as well do it in a way. They might as well do it in a way that's blunt rather than like, oh no, you can, it's like, this is just work that you go home and then you have to do school after you've left school. Exactly. And that brings me to point two. And, and is it good for them to be in school longer? Probably not. I mean, we need to have a life. Why are we in school? So that we can have a great life. Not so we don't have time for life. So the second reason that resistance sometimes makes sense is because sometimes the things that people are asked to do in school. So again, you're going to be asked to do certain things in school, but sometimes it's busy work or it really lacks meaning. Like it's just not interesting or engaging or meaningful to you. So that you're going to resist that. If it feels like busy work or it feels like, why do I have to do this? This doesn't help my life. Then there's going to be resistance in that. Another time when people will feel resistance, especially around schoolwork, is when they feel like a teacher doesn't like them. Ah, yeah. I can imagine. And then I've had students also where a teacher likes them and it's not even a subject they like, but they work hard for that teacher because they yeah. know that makes sense. Yeah. And then the fourth thing that I had for that, like when resistance sort of makes sense is like sometimes something's really off. And this is like what we were talking about a while ago, but when something's really wrong, you got to listen to your gut and be like, no, this situation, something's wrong with this. I, I'm resistant because my nervous system is telling me that something is not okay here. This is scary or this is a risk. It's unsafe. And like the resistance is doing its job. Yeah, your gut is generally a pessimist. And you can't, if you want to be happy, sometimes you shouldn't be an optimist because... Sometimes you have to be realistic about the the threats or the risks. Exactly, because if you're an optimist, you might do something stupid thinking that things will turn out for the best and then you'd be sad. Yeah. And you'd lose your optimism. Yeah. So now <laughs> I have all these ways to deal with the resistance and I, there are a lot of them, um, but I'll kind of start going through these and then you can tell me what you think at any time. You ready? Yeah. Number one, which you definitely alluded to is don't believe everything you think. So when you have that inner critic, that story in your head, the narrative and the brain is like responding to the stress of this crazy story you have, sometimes don't believe it. Like you said, sometimes let the inner critic say its thing, but do the thing anyway. Let it pass by like a cloud. Like a cloud in the sky will pass by. Yeah, like the way I imagine it is that there's like a big conference room in your head and you're sitting at the you're sitting at the head of the table and you have all these different voices. Yeah. And they're all offering advice, but you don't have to listen to any of them. Boom. 
You can do whatever you you want. You're the CEO. Yep. They are not you. <laughs> They're just thoughts. More like the dictator. Yeah. Hopefully in a very positive way because you're dictating, hey, we're going to do what we need to do to have a great life. So you, we're not listening to your advice today. You, we're not listening to your advice today. Yeah. You? Oh, that's a good idea. Number two, know that the resistance, actually, you feel it in your body. So people don't think about this a lot, Asher, but the, your nervous system your, is getting a sense of threat. So when we're resistant, our nervous system is going, oh, no, we're not safe. But it's not necessarily true. But it feels constricting. So you can actually feel in your body this sort of constricting feeling. Ugh, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't feel like doing this chore or this homework. And your brain is perceiving that there's this threat like a bear. It doesn't know any better. And again, like we said before, don't listen to all the voices. But you're going to know that. So number two was know that you're going to feel something in your body. And it's okay. It's just the resistance. It's just your nervous system. Yeah. A lot of people feel it in their stomach. They'll feel muscles get tight. They'll feel their face get tight, their jaw, their hands, any number of things. Do you know what you do? No, not really. I tend to carry it in my shoulders. I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do that. Um, the next one is um, in terms of how to deal with the resistance is that old thing called mindfulness or consciousness or being awake or self-aware or metacognitive or introspective or reflective. Basically, the mindfulness all has to do with how aware are we? Because some people, Asher, have the, those voices and they just listen to it. They don't know, have enough self-awareness to know that those voices are even there. They just hear the voice and they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to resist. Yeah, because sometimes those voices make good points, but sometimes they don't. And if you just do every, if you want to please everyone, you do everything everyone says, it's not going to work out well. Yeah, they are very good arguers. Yeah, they are. Yeah, if you listen, if you listen to everyone, you'll never get anything done. But if you listen to no one, you'll never get anything done. Yeah, so you have to really select which voices you're going to hear. And then that leads us to the next one, number four, which is be the what's called the watcher or the noticer or the observer, the mindful person. Be someone in your own brain who's sort of watching what's going on so that you can respond rather than react. So like you said, the dictator or the person at the head of the conference table, you're that person. You're that watcher. You're observing everything and you're making the decision so that you can have a response rather than just an immediate reaction like a robot. You actually think. Yeah, you're like sitting at the controls and there are a bunch of people gathered behind you muttering things. Not muttering, but like whispering things in your ear. And it's like, you should do this. No, you should do that. Yep. And you're the, you're the boss. You get to choose. Your word is law, at least in yeah. your own head. The next one that I had is uh, reframing. So reframing is like changing the way that you look at something or changing your attitude about something or like Einstein did these thought experiments, but people listen to those voices and reframing is saying, what if that voice isn't right? What if it's the opposite of what I think? Or what if it actually turns out awesome? Or what if it's not as bad as I thought it would be? Or what if it actually turns out good anyhow? Yeah. So the next one is, um, it's called do your best and then do a little bit better, but it's like, don't worry about being perfect. Just do your best. Maybe you do a little bit better. Have you ever heard of the saying, leave well enough alone? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people want to be perfect. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. 
And sometimes just get the homework done and get it in and just be like, okay, fine. It's done. Good enough. doesn't have to be perfect. And that's a a really good one to help with resistance because you don't have to be perfect. I have a hard time with that because I always feel, I feel like you can do tiny things perfectly, right? Well, I mean, my question would be to you then is what are you going to do about it from here on out, Asher? How are you going to make that easier? I don't know. My current strategy is just practice. Okay. So if you want something done perfectly, just become really good at that thing. Well, do you want it done perfectly? I don't know. Maybe that's the question. What if you did it, but it wasn't perfect? Yeah, I don't know. I just would feel, I wouldn't feel like it was my best work. And what would, what would happen if it didn't feel like your best work? Then I wouldn't feel like I had accomplished anything. Really? If it wasn't my best work. Yeah. So maybe then the part of the issue then is like, we're talking about like reframing things, like choosing a different attitude and like literally reframing it and saying, oh, it was worth it. I'm not going to listen to that person at the conference table. That was worth it. And I'm moving on. Yeah, it's good enough. And I'm glad I even tried. We'll be right back after this quick break. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. But yeah, what attitude are you going to choose? What are you going to focus on? What's your frame? I don't know. That person is very loud and persuasive. I know. Probably sitting just to my left. Yeah, I'm glad that you're bringing that up because like if if you and I were sitting at the kitchen table and like I was coaching you, I'd really be breaking down. And so this is good for the listener to hear too. I'd really be helping you break down. Why is that voice so loud? Where is that coming from? And what voice do you want to hear instead? Because it's if it's not working for you and it's helping you resist rather than move forward, how can you change it? How can you reframe it? What's a better attitude? Yeah. Would that, would that help? No, I imagine it's like this very old-fashioned conference room, you know, like a long table. You're sitting seated at the head. There's a chandelier. It's sort of like evening it's dusty. You can see rays of light Yeah, through the windows. So you see this conference room. Now I want you to see, see that perfectionism person leaving the conference room. 
So next is in order to deal with resistance, and this might sound kind of weird, but really eating nutritious food, getting good sleep and getting right exercise, sleep, nutrition, and exercise help you feel better and make you less resistant. I would say I do okay on all three of those. I used to be better at exercise and sleep, but nutrition, doing better at it than I so nutrition you're pretty happy with, but you'd maybe yeah. sleep a little more consistently or go to bed earlier or stop playing video games at night or what? Yeah. There's a lot of resistance to just going on a walk in the morning. Mm-hmm. For exercise? Yeah. yeah. And, and every time I've gone to bed late because I just wanted to finish something, I've had a bad day the next day. Yep. You're going to be more resistant if you're tired or your body feels bad or... Yeah, and several times I've that that's then off ruined my sleep for the whole week. Yeah, there's sort of a negative downward spiral domino effect. But the opposite is true too. Like when you start doing little things to make the reason. Yeah, because when you go on a run, now suddenly the next day going on a run doesn't seem so bad. And eventually it becomes a habit and you're like, oh, run, yeah, whatever. Yep. The next one, uh, number nine, is called the 1% rule. And the 1% rule I talk about a lot, but this is like people get very overwhelmed by how big something feels, like doing homework or a project or writing a paper or their chores or whatever. But if you can think, I'm just going to do 1% more than what I'm doing, or there's a saying called a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step or take steps or just walk a millimeter all of these things, it's like you just do a baby step. Don't think about the whole giant thing, but people get paralyzed, analysis paralysis, stuck in their head. Oh, that happens to me, but that's because of my, that's also because of my perfectionism. I feel like right. sometimes I feel like I lose the essence of a thing if I don't look at the big picture. Well, sometimes you can look at the big picture, but then you do what I call zoom out, then zoom in. So you zoom out, look at the big picture, then zoom into a tiny 1% tiny baby step you can take. Yeah. Like I feel like, like, I feel like a perfect thing is made out of perfect pieces, which are all made of perfect smaller pieces and right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. So you can look at the whole elephant, but you have to eat one bite at a time. Yeah, you can look at the whole elephant. You can plan, how am I going to eat this? But Yeah, but essentially it comes down to starting with one small task. Yeah, I would say starting because I just can't figure out where to start. It seems very daunting. I have this abstract ideal and I want to turn that into, say, code. Yep. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Because that's very important. Where in the world do you start? A lot of people are resistant because they don't even know where to start. I mean, you can't just, there's not like a device and you just put in an idea and it turns into money. Yeah. Um, The next one is don't look for motivation. And this is something I think a lot of people make this mistake. They like look for how do I get motivated? And the people I work with, I'm like, don't even worry about motivation. You're not going to be motivated to do something you're not motivated to do. I don't know. That does happen. That does happen to me sometimes. Generally, if I just wake up, generally, if I wake up in a good mood, I'm I'm a lot more willing to do tedious tasks and I don't mind that they're tedious. Yeah. Rather, I don't pay as much heed to resistance when you I'm... Don't, yeah, you don't listen to that, that voice in the conference room as much. Yeah, I'm just like, ah, whatever. 
But people think they need to like wait until they're motivated or wait until they feel like it. And that is not what we're That's doing. That's dangerous. Yeah. We, because you'll never get there. What we do is we do it anyway. The trick is, is to say, I don't feel like it, but how do I do it for my own well-being anyway? And then there are a couple of ways. And this is the what you just asked. How do you even start sometimes? What I have done very successfully, though, is sort of juggle a few projects at once. Mm-hmm. Sound like me. I do a million, a million projects at once. Yeah. So that if I'm feeling motivated, I work on that project. And if I'm not, I pick the project that I've worked on the least. A non-preferred task. Yeah, that's a good way to approach it too. Yeah, if you're feeling motivated, you can do your best work. Yeah, I you love that. best work on the thing you need to do. You're not wasting your time doing something you don't need to do just because you decided you wanted to finish this project first. Yeah. But then if you're feeling unmotivated, you still have to get some stuff done, don't you? Yeah, if you're on a roll, go go with it as long as you can with stuff you're not interested in. Yeah, if you have a new idea, you should be kind of cautious. If you have any resistance around your new idea, then... Yeah, and be, be careful not to get the train too, uh, too derailed. Yeah, don't... Ju- if you have a new idea, don't be hasty to add it to the ideas you're working on. Because you might find after... You might find after a few days of inspiration that you don't really care about having it finished anymore. I have a list called Backburner. So when I get new ideas for stuff, I just add it to this list. So if I'm in the middle of a project, but I get an idea, I add it to my Backburner list and then get back to what I was doing. My next one, how do you get started when you don't feel like it? I love timers because it can make it very small. I can just say, you know what? I'm resistant to doing this, but I'll just do it for a minute or five minutes or 10 minutes. And then what I do is I trick myself into starting anyway. Yeah, that seems a good strategy. It's not like, will I do this thing? It's like, yes, you're going to do this thing. Yeah. And maybe not for five hours and maybe not the whole giant project, but I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to do a minute. And then you might find that all your resistance was unfounded and it's actually enjoyable. And That's the trick is that once we trick ourselves into getting some momentum, it's not as bad as we thought. And yeah, very occasionally you'll find that your resistance was all unfounded. Then you can turn your whole day around. Mm-hmm. Well, this one is making a plan. So I was just saying timer number 12 is where do you start? Make a plan. And what people do is they imagine this giant task and they never break it down or chunk it down into small pieces. And when you make a plan, you're chunking into small pieces and the more bite size you can make the plan, obviously, the eater, easier it is to eat the elephant. Yeah, everyone talks about that, making very detailed plans. Or even sub plans. You don't need, you know, you can just make it feel like you can eat the elephant. Don't make it a million things on your plan. Just take the parts you need to. Yeah, but I also think that you can't, you should only split things up as much as they can reasonably be split up. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, yeah, it's like I'll write half a line of code today. So you have to, you have to be, yeah, realistic. It depends. It really depends on the project how much work you have to do at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, the next one is routines. So the more you have a routine, you don't think about it. You don't have to make a decision. Sometimes making a decision is that analysis paralysis again. And then we complain and we resist and we procrastinate. I don't want to, I don't feel like it. And, um, but when we have a routine, we don't think or decide. It's just, I know that at whatever seven o'clock every morning I get up and brush my teeth. 
don't think about it. It's just a routine, you know? Yeah. I know I put my glasses on. I keep my glasses by the bed. It's a routine. I know when I come in the office, I put my topic right here. It's a routine. Like, yeah, there's no resistance. If you're bought, you're, you're essentially forcing the, your advisor who keeps talking about not doing things that that thing is going to be done and you should just not. Yeah. They're like a victim. It's like the resistance. It's like, I really shouldn't, it's like, I really shouldn't bother. There's no point. In. And then it's just a routine. So there's no decision anymore. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. There's no, the resistance just gives up and goes home. Why even try? Now, <laughs> on number 14 is that it's in order to help the resistance, we can actually use things that we like to add to things we don't like. So you have passions, gifts, interests, talents, um, things that matter to you, how can you weave those things into things you don't feel like doing? So sometimes maybe you have to write a paper, let's say. Let's say you're in school and you have to write something, a fiction paper. And maybe you use your passions or something you're interested in and you're learning about to weave into that fiction paper. So you're making it more meaningful to you. Something that you didn't really feel like doing, you're like, oh, I'm actually going to make the best of this. All right, next one. Post things that are inspirational to you that help you get through the resistance or reminders of things you want to remember. So like I have things that inspire me here on my wall, like with music and stuff. I have um, famous quotes around the house, things that inspire me. Keeping those in my face help me remember, okay, forget the resistance, leave it alone, just do it anyway. You know, there's there's something behind why I'm doing this. But nobody would ever do anything good if they only worked on things they didn't feel like doing. Yeah, that's obviously not the point, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't feel like that for people. All right, we were talking about the routine, and number 16 is actually your sacred study space. Like, you're looking at me in my studio right now. Um, But to have a space where it really helps you to execute, to get through the resistance, to do the things you need to do, Yeah, because it's also places, because if you associate one place with being lazy, then you wouldn't wouldn't do your best work there, would you? Yep, correct. Another one is know that you're not alone, that everybody struggles with, with execution, with resistance. Even people who are really good at execution and doing things, and they don't resist much, they might have resistance to other things. Yeah. Next one is don't get your ducks in a row. So a lot of people get stuck because they think I need to get everything perfect before I start. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. Can you imagine if Jimi Hendrix was like, oh, I need to be a great guitar player before as anybody ever sees me? No, he had to go out and not be great in order to get good. And the- yeah, it's like first become, it's like step one, become greatest guitar player of all time. Step two, go on tour. Yeah, and it does not work like that. Yeah, it's like step one, be the best ever. Step two, do things. It's step one, be okay, do things, be better. Get better, exactly, exactly. So that's the next one. The next one I had is advocate. So tell your parents or your teachers that you need to have a life, that this is taking you too long, that your homework's taking you too many hours. Like look at them as human beings and be like, look, I cannot come home from school and work for three hours. Advocate for yourself. Be honest. Stand up for yourself. Say, I need a life. I can't 
we need to work on this. We need to figure out another way to do it. You advocate for yourself pretty well, don't you? Yeah, I'll say. (laughs) You definitely speak your truth. Um, The next one is kind of different, and this is with resistance, and it is apologize. And it is when you resist something and you like yell at your parents or you're rude to your parents or you're rude to your teacher or something, go back to them later and be like, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. That was not cool. I just didn't want to execute. Didn't feel like doing it. I was being resistant. Sorry. I honestly didn't mean to hurt your feelings. But like healing and taking responsibility when you do make a mistake. Yeah. Because you don't want people to think you want, you like that. Yeah. You want to apologize when, yeah, you didn't mean to to hurt someone's feelings. You're just, we feel resistant sometimes and sometimes we take it out on other people. So it's okay. We're human. All right. Next one, unitask. A lot of people think about multitasking. I always heard monotask. Monotask. I have not heard that. Monotask or unitask. Do one thing, not 50. So like if you do 75% of something, finish it 100% or leave well enough alone. Finish it enough so that it's finished. Don't stop at 75%. I have so many students, Asher, who get done with like 80% of their homework. And since they don't finish it, they don't turn it in at all. And then they get a zero and an incomplete and a missing. And then that hurts even worse. So just unitask, get it done well enough and get it in. Next, note, this is when we're talking about the observer or the watcher or the noticer. Notice yourself whining or complaining because people who complain don't have time to do stuff. People who are doing stuff don't have time to complain. But we all do it. So notice when you're whining or complaining and watch it and be like, oh, okay, Seth, that's interesting. You're whining about this. You're not doing anything about it, but you're, you're complaining. So that's a way we resist. Yeah, it's like my room isn't clean. This sucks. And then you just sit in your bed and read. And it doesn't exactly clean itself? Yeah, and you just leave. And then you just leave your book there and it just gets worse. And then my last one is to recalibrate the compass. So I have a compass in the car on the on the mirror. And I actually have a compass in my cell phone too. In order to calibrate the compass, you have to recalibrate by like doing a figure eight or something like that. And the last tip is to sort of recalibrate. Stop. If you are resistant, stop. Pause. Take a deep breath. Smile. Get present. Be like, okay, what am I doing here? Why am I being resistant? What's going on right now? Where do I want to be? Like, just take a minute to pause and recalibrate. So, Asher, what final advice do you have about people with resistance? Well, you don't have to listen to it, I would say. And what if a parent is trying to help their child and their child's resistant? What would you tell a parent to do to help their child get through the resistance? Generally, just talk about how, about why they should like why it'll be better in the long run, you know? Yeah. It's like, why should I study? And it's like, because if you study, then you get good grades and you feel good about it. And generally when you get a taste of success, the resistance really dissipates. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're working on a project, yeah. And you spend hours work, working on the first part and then you're like, bam, that's the whole first part finished. It's perfect. The resistance just goes poof. You get a surge of motivation. It's like, oh, obviously there is a good reason to do this. Yeah, as soon as you get gratification for something, resistance disappears. Mm-hmm. So what would be, uh, how do you want to end this podcast? What do you want to say to people? I want to give them a challenge. 
I want to tell the audience that I want to challenge you to think of one thing that you can do to help set yourself up for success to execute rather than resist. And then email us, tell us about it, put it in the comments or something. Yeah, what's one thing that you're resisting? Okay, so you want them to think of one thing that they're resisting. That's good. Well, not that they're resisting, but that they resist. And then what do you want them to do when they think of it? Think about, yeah, argue the argue the point that you should do it, even though you might not feel like you should do it. You might convince yourself. Right on. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, audience. I hope you have an awesome day. Me and Asher, thank you for listening to this discussion. And we hope it helps you. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.